the COVID-19 pandemic had such a dramatic effect on the veterinary industry and on the lives of pets as a whole that we gave this topic two full vet talk segments. Welcome back for part two of our discussion about changes to veterinary medicine as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Brenda Andreessen, Chief Strategy Officer at Stevens & Associates and your host for today's Vet Talk with Royal Canin Conversation. Joining me again are Dr. Kirk Brudinger, Division Vice President, Veterinary Quality, Banfield Pet Hospital. Welcome back, Kirk. Thank you for having me, Brenda. And joining us also again, Dr. Craig Datz, Board Certified Veterinary Nutritionist, Senior Director, Scientific Affairs, Royal Canin. Welcome back, Craig. Happy to return. Thanks, Brenda. Let's dig in a little bit more. One of the things we talked about on the first podcast with regard to the impact of COVID is some of the trends related to providing veterinary care that we believe are going to remain intact post-COVID. So we talked about telemedicine, we talked about some of the, um, the, the obesity notification, but how do you think awareness of these trends is really going to benefit cats and dogs going forward? So I believe awareness of this is going to be important to keep top of mind that these are not things that sit in a silo by themselves. They have ripple effects elsewhere. So for example, when we talk about the trend with obesity, which again has been an upward spike over the past 10 years, we're really seeing it's going to impact other disease processes that are really impact the quality of life with our pets. And so one of the things that really comes to top of mind is osteoarthritis. It's something that we see very commonly and it's exacerbated by pets that are overweight. And as we see pets that are getting more and more overweight, we are also going to be seeing more and more arthritis associated with that and more morbidity for our pets and, uh, and clients are seeing their pets being pain. And so keeping this top of mind and really educating clients about what they can do to either prevent or help treat obesity to address and uh, and alleviate osteoarthritic pain is a very important point that many of our pets are facing. Do you feel, Kirk, that the, the, the osteoarthritis specifically, is it one of those trends that you feel is spiking a little bit upward because people have been home more? Are they noticing things that they had not noticed prior with their pets or, or is it really getting worse because of obesity and other issues? combination of the both actually, Brenda. One, absolutely, people being home and they can see their pets more, they are catching more things. And we've actually seen not just with arthritis and uh, an increase in weight, but we've seen other trends increase over the past year. One of them is pet skin allergies. I mean, this is something that we deal with very regularly in the veterinary profession. But now it's highlighted even more for clients because they're at home and they're witnessing that itching or that scratching going on more often. And in fact, over the past year, over this pandemic, we really saw an increase in just skin allergies, pets coming in because they were itching or licking or something like that. We saw 58.7% increase compared to the prior year. That just gives you a, a line of sight to how much they're becoming attuned to their pets now. I think some of these things we think specifically about dogs, but it looks as if there has been an increase in people actually bringing their cats to the veterinarian too. So, you know, Craig, I'd like your perspective on, on what you have seen there. Royal Canin obviously has put some energy into trying to encourage 
um, bringing cats to the veterinarian more frequently. It, has there been positive impact? Yes, uh, Brenda, the, the Cat to Vet campaign uh, that Royal Canin has sponsored in association with other uh, uh, veterinary and feline oriented organizations is just a way to try to bring more awareness to the general public that cats need just as much health care as dogs or or I guess any pet for that matter. And the idea that cats take care of themselves and they don't need routine care, they don't need to go see the vet because a cat is a cat, right? And so, you know, I've dealt with many, many people over the years that just say, well, I'll, I'll bring my cat to the vet if he's sick or if he's hurt or if he's not eating, obviously I would bring him in. But if you ask, you know, do you go in once a year for uh, a checkup, uh, uh, you know, physical exam, do you go in twice a year as, you know, as your cat gets to be a, a mature or senior cat? And a lot of people will say, well, I didn't know. And then things like uh, dental issues that occur in at least 80% of cats. I mean, how would an owner know their cat has dental disease and is in need of diagnosis and treatment unless they trust the veterinarian uh, to do routine care? Um, so yes, the, the trends are much better for cats to vet, but there's a long way to go. And I believe Kirk shared some statistics on the number of households that have adopted new pets, which probably includes a fair number of cats. So just bringing awareness to anybody that's added a cat to their household or has their first cat, um, there's really no difference in healthcare recommendations and visiting the veterinarian and getting your, your wellness exams, getting a, you know, a nutritional assessment, a behavioral assessment, you know, litter box discussions. Um, and then prevented obesity, and we keep coming back to obesity. But you know, if if many people see a you know a, a fluffy cat that has a little more fluff than they need to be, um, some people think it's cute, and they may post a, a video or a, a TikTok or something on their social media about look at my roly poly cat. Uh, but as a veterinary nutritionist, I look at a roly poly cat, and I and I, I see pre diabetes, I see insulin resistance, I see chronic disease, I think higher risk of osteoarthritis, which you know, there's a fairly well accepted statistic that older cats, probably 90% of them have osteoarthritis, uh, but we don't know this as veterinarians, owners don't know that because they don't know the signs to look for. Um, and it, it definitely is a condition that can be diagnosed and managed very well, even better these days with uh, medications, um, rehab, physical therapy, weight loss, especially um, certain diets. So there's just a lot of things we can do for our, our dogs and cats that have routine things such as dental disease, arthritis, skin allergies, obesity, but we have to be able to see the pets first. Yeah. Kirk, what are you seeing across the Banfield uh, hospitals? We've absolutely seen an increase in pets coming in, particularly for illness visits. For dogs, we've seen an 8.4% increase over the past year. And for cats, that was up to 13.8% increase. And what that's really telling me is that Clients being at the house around those pets are much more attuned to what is going on with their pets and what their needs are. So do we expect, this is kind of a tough question to ask because there's a nice trend, I think, toward demand for veterinary care post-pandemic. Now that we're starting to talk about going back to work and not every back-to-work situation is pet-friendly, do we expect those changes in the pet owner mindset are going to carry forward in a positive way for veterinary care or is there concern that there might be some impact you know that that doesn't doesn't work as well for veterinary care you know we really didn't know what the pandemic was going to bring and now we know that it brought a huge demand of veterinary services while other industries were 
crippled by the pandemic, the veterinary industry actually thrived. Um, so that's a good sign for the veterinary industry. But that also means that when we start having more going back to work, it's going to be really hard for us to truly understand what those impacts are going to be moving forward. And so um, we will just have to keep our eyes out to, to see what those trends end up looking like and keep our finger on the pulse of what our clients need and our pets need. Are there things that we as a profession can do to help set those set the stage for those conversations as we look to a time when there is more normalcy um, you know, in all of our lives? Anything that comes to mind um, from what you've seen during the pandemic and as we're now hoping to ease out of it? I think the biggest thing that we've seen is just how crucial that client-patient veterinary relationship is and really having a strong relationship with your clients so that you can really understand their needs, their individualized needs, the pet's individualized needs, and be able to, to tailor the care to those needs. And that'll help get us through whatever the environmental changes ultimately are for us. Craig, any final thoughts from you with regard to the impact of the pandemic on both practices and pet owners? Yes, Brenda, I think the pandemic has exposed something that some of us have been feeling for a while, that there may not be enough veterinarians, veterinary technicians, veterinary teams to handle the increased demand, not only from people having more pets, um, but also being more aware of um, illnesses and unusual behaviors and things that make them want to call the vet or go visit the vet. Um, it certainly would take many, many years to have um, get more veterinarians uh, educated, licensed, qualified, and the same with veterinary technicians. I think paraprofessional staff can continuously be trained. And I think most veterinary clinics should be trying to look at ways to alleviate bottlenecks, increase efficiency, try to figure out ways to meet the demand of the increased uh, care that our owners are expecting of us without burning out our, our veterinarians, our technicians, our staff. So the risk is, well, let's just do more. Let's stay open more hours or let's cram more pets. And that's not really a viable solution either. Um, so everybody from the AVMA and AAHA veterinary organizations on down are thinking about these, these issues and hopefully we'll come up with some solutions as we go forward. And Kirk, from where you sit and all the data that Banfield is able to gather, um, from your hospitals, what are some final thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with with regard to you know the impact of the pandemic and how we can how we can look ahead? I think the biggest thought that I have is really about how are we going to meet the capacity and the demand that our clients are asking for to take care of all those pets that need it. And Craig had given uh, a number of great examples, um, and I'll add to that is that we really need to think about how do we deliver care in a new way that meets those needs. We've been delivering it in you know, a similar model for many decades now. And I think we've got virtual pet care as an option for us now that's really helping to branch out. What are other things we need to do to increase those efficiencies, meet client needs, meet clients where they are and the type of care they're looking for as well? And how do we be brave enough as an industry to really step in and lean into a bold direction to evolve the way we deliver care. Dr. Kirk Bruninger, thank you for sharing your time with us today. Appreciate that. Thank you. And Dr. Craig Gatz, always a pleasure. Thanks, Brenda. Thanks again, Kirk, for lending your expertise and the data that you've uh, 
uh, been working on with Banfield is very helpful to put some numbers behind these various issues we've been talking about.